The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Good morning. Uh, It's so good to be here with my Vancouver campus family. I am so excited to see you all. It's been uh, a long time since I've been here on the stage. Uh, My name is Pastor Paul Moores, and I'm the church life pastor here at Broadway Church, and I'm also the campus pastor at our Port Coquitlam campus. And so if you don't recognize me, that's because that's where I am most Sundays in a year. We're there. And I am so excited to tell you what God has been doing at our Port Coquitlam campus. We started with one service. We've grown to two. We've uh, we've started with a kids ministry. Now we have a kids ministry and a youth ministry and a preteen ministry happening. There's been lots of growth that's been going on and lots of people that have come to know Jesus through the witness of our Port Coquitlam campus and on our Sunday mornings. We have the same core values. We have the same sermon. We have the same uh, commitment to lost people there as we experience here at the Vancouver campus. And so I am so excited that two and a half years ago when we sat in this room and we made a decision that we were going to take a step of faith and that we were going to step out and start a second uh, campus, God has honored that faith because people have come to know him. So it's been an exciting journey, and I would encourage you that if, you're, if you, you want to take a Sunday and come see your brothers or your cousins in the Lord over at the Port Coquitlam campus, we'd love to have you. Uh, we have services at 9 and 11.15, just like you do here. We try and keep it simple, and uh, we'd love to have you uh, here. And so if you don't recognize me, you've never seen me before, that's okay. At the end of this service, we are going to be best friends because I have a great word from God that I'm excited to share with you in the Healing Hotspot series. So uh, we are in this series called the Healing Hotspot. So let's kind of review uh, where we've been. The Healing Hotspot is not actually a a term that exists in Scripture. It's a term that we made up, and we're using these cones to kind of symbolize or give a a tangible physical expression to what we're trying to talk about when we say the Healing Hotspot. And it's kind of like a Wi-Fi hotspot, right? We all have our phones, and and when we're in a Wi-Fi hotspot, it's a physical location where we can access the internet. When we say the healing hotspot, it's a spiritual location where you can access God's restorative power. It's the best possible, it's a place where you get the best possible connection between you and God in the relational zone. Now we've all wandered out of a Wi-Fi hotspot and had, uh, had to use up our data on our phones. And we're not talking about salvation. You don't wander outside of the healing hotspot and now you're not a a Christian anymore. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the healing hotspot as a place where you're going to live your abundant life, the full life that God means for you to live. And we're using as our, our, our theme verse for this series, we're using uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It's on the screens uh, beside me and you can read along there. It says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So where have we been so far in this Healing Hotspot series? Well, in week one, Pastor Darren started by just addressing that first word, if. The word if. We talked about the fact that we have a role to play in staying in the healing hotspot. If my people will, then I will. The scripture says it right there. We play a part. In week two, we took the next chunk of that scripture. My people who are called by my name. We talked about the fact that we're children of God and because we are, we have special access to him. Two weeks ago in week three, we took the next chunk of scripture. Will humble themselves. We said to be in the healing hotspot you need humility. 
We said that humility isn't making less of who you are. It's properly acknowledging who you are. The other day I was at Superstore uh, getting groceries. Um, quite often my wife will text me a list of groceries to get on the way home. And, and so I was there in, in Superstore and I was in the cereal aisle. And I'm decide, trying to figure out which cereal to buy. And I hear someone behind me say, no, no, not that one. Get the other one. Now I'm not a very confrontational guy. So I'm not going to turn around in the grocery store and, and get into it with someone. So I, I, I tried to, to forget it. And I reached for the cranberry almond crunch. And as soon as I was pulling it off the, the shelf, I heard the person say, no, no, not that one, the other one. So again, I'm trying to, now I'm moving very slowly. I don't want any sudden movements to set this person off. I'm moving very slowly without looking behind me. And then I hear uh, this, this lady say, no, not the eyeliner, the mascara. I turn around and I notice someone with earbuds in having a conversation on their phone, probably with... Uh, their teenage daughter at home or something like that. I had been listening in on a conversation that I was not part of. <laughs> the conversation that we're going to listen in on today in the healing hotspot is what we are talking about today. Today we're talking about the next section of this scripture. And the text that I'm preaching from today is literally just two words. I looked at the theme verse, and I looked at where Pastor Darren had asked me to preach in this series, and I realized that he was giving me a very small portion of text to preach from. 2 Chronicles 7.14, my text is, and pray. That's all I get, two words. Thanks, Pastor Darren, two words. I got to preach from two words, and pray, and pray. Isn't that kind of a funny way to say it, and pray? And yet, that's kind of the way it looks like in our, in, our, in our day-to-day life, isn't it? We've got to take the kids to school, and we've got to go to our doctor's appointment. We've got to get the cookies baked for the bake sale. We've got to take the youngest one to gymnastics and the oldest one to hockey. We've got to show up for our purest love imaginable group, and we've got to usher on Sunday, and we have to pray. We've got to provide for our family. We've got to parent our children. We've got to save for retirement. We've got to be active in our community. We've got to believe God for the miraculous and pray. Now, while this dutiful box-checking version of prayer doesn't sound very inspiring, it does communicate a very important part about what prayer really is. See, prayer is essential. It's essential. And if it's essential, it needs to become part of our daily routine. Now, we understand this in, in real life. If you're here and you're married, husbands and wives, you understand that regular communication leads to a healthy marriage, not random communication. Oh, we just happened to have a nice conversation and then, you know, we haven't talked in, in a long time. It's regular conversation, regular communication that enriches a marriage. If you're healthy and you want to be healthy in your body, you understand that it's not just kicking a soccer ball around once a week. It's regular exercise. It's having a, a regular healthy diet that contributes to a, to a, uh, to a healthy body. That's part of being regular. It's part of our daily routine. Even in our jobs, many of us have to take upgrading. We have to recertify our credentials on a regular basis because what we do is so important that it, it needs to be uh, part of our routine. It's essential. First thing in your outline, prayer is the language of the healing hotspot. Prayer is the language of the healing hotspot. It's a language that we need to be fluent in. We need to upgrade. We need to keep current all the time if we're going to make our way through life staying in the healing hotspot. Prayer is the language of the healing hotspot. 
Now, I'm going to center our, our time together today uh, in the book of Psalms. Now, the Psalms are a collection of poems. They're, it's like the prayer book in the Bible. It's right, right in the middle of your Bible. They're written by, a, by multiple authors. The Psalms are written by multiple authors. Some of the Psalms have the, the author's name in the first line. Like Psalm 90, is, it says that Moses wrote it. It's right there in the fr- uh, front line. Uh, some of the Psalms were written by different people. 50 of the Psalms, we don't know who wrote them, but 73 of the Psalms, including the one that we're going to refer to today, were written by King David. King David's one of the most famous Old Testament uh, characters that we have. Now, like I said before, prayer uh, is the language of the healing hotspot. And if we're going to get this healing hotspot thing, or get this, our life in the healing hotspot right, we need to get prayer right. Turn to Psalm chapter 86. Psalm chapter 86. David has a, has a very close relationship with God, and we see it all through this prayer in Psalm 86. He knew God intensely, intimately, and personally. He felt free to pour out his heart to God in prayer. Now, we're not going to read the entire chapter, but uh, if you have your Bible with you, open it to Psalm 86, and we're going to go back and forth uh, in, that, in that chapter. We'll refer to it. If you don't have a Bible, please take the one in front of you in the pew as our gift to you. We would love for you to have that Bible. You can also follow along on the side screens. But we're going to start today talking about five approaches to prayer. Five approaches to prayer. And we're going to start with verse 1 and 2 in Psalm 86, where it says, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts you. You are my God. Number one in your outline. First approach to prayer, pray intensely. Pray intensely. When you pray intensely, you're saying, I mean it. I mean it. Now, if you have little kids, I still have a four-year-old at home, but even my 11-year-old sometimes. You have kids at home, you understand intensity. When, you're, when, you're, when your kids are young, the intensity is kind of like, Daddy, I really, really want that. I really, really want that toy. I really, really need it. Or at 8.30 at night when they're supposed to be in bed, Daddy, if I don't get a drink from the kitchen, I'm going to die of thirst. Can anybody say Amen right? You, you, you've been through that, right? That intensity. Now, David was intense, but he wasn't a, it wasn't a childish intensity. It intent, his intensity oozes out of, of this entire prayer, and it comes from his awareness of his great need. He was desperate. If God doesn't answer, he knows that he's doomed. He cries out from his heart for God to save him from these powerful enemies. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't skirt around the issue. Right away, at the beginning of the prayer, he says, God, I'm poor. God, I'm needy. He wasn't joking around. He was getting right down to business. He was praying intensely. He meant what he was praying. He knew that without God, he had no hope. Pray intensely. That's number one. Number two on your outline, the second approach to prayer. Pray continually. Pray continually. When you pray continually, you're saying, I'll keep doing it. I'll keep doing it. David says in Psalm 86.3, For unto you I cry all day long. All day long. Again, his prayers were driven by his awareness of his great need. Now, if you look into the New Testament, the, the Apostle Paul says something very similar in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, pray without ceasing. 
That's one of those uh, verses that are, seems like a pretty big challenge, hey? You, you go look at that and you go, pray without ceasing? Gosh, is that even possible? Does that mean we should pray co- constantly and not stop praying always, always, always? Not quite. The word that's used there in the Greek is the same words that they, they would use to describe uh, in that day a cough that wouldn't, <coughs> wouldn't go away. You know, when you get that, you're sick and you get a little bit better and you, you still have that little tickle in your throat, that cough, it just <coughs> won't go away. That's the word that they were talking about there. It's also the word that they would use to describe when an army would bombard uh, its enemies constantly and would just keep swooping in and bombarding them constantly and constantly. That's the type of praying without ceasing that they're uh, referring to. Smith Wigglesworth is famous for saying, I never pray more than five minutes at a time, but I never go longer than five minutes without praying. Pray continually. So we're going to pray intensely and pray continually. And number three in our outline, pray thankfully. Pray thankfully. When you pray thankfully, you're saying, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. We just came through Thanksgiving. We just bathed ourselves in, in, in turkey and stuffing and also hopefully thankfulness, right? We, we, we've been there. Psalm 86.12 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. If we go back to Thessalonians, where we talked about with Paul saying, pray without ceasing. The next verse after that, in 5.18, he says, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Being thankful means that when we pray, we're submissive to his sovereign hand in our circumstances. Being thankful means that we realize that he is working even our trials together for our ultimate good. Do you ever feel like you're a little bit out of touch with the trends and the styles that are going on? I kind of, I, I know that I do. I feel like I just bought a pair of skinny jeans and now they're not in anymore. Or I bought a trucker hat and nobody's wearing them anymore. Or, you know, I, I just can't keep up with the cool factor, right? Well, I'm going to help you right now. I'm going to help you and let you know some of the things that are really cool in Vancouver in 2018. Okay, you ready for this? This is going to help you. When you leave here, you're going to be more equipped to walk the streets of Vancouver. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that are really, really cool in Vancouver right now. You know what the first thing that's really cool in Vancouver right now? is cynicism. Cynicism is super cool right now. It means that you question everything. It means that you don't trust anyone or anything. People say phrases like, I doubt it, or I think I could do better than that, when they're cynical. Being cynical is really cool right now. The other thing that's really cool right now is entitlement. Entitlement is thinking that you deserve something that you don't have. This trend, you hear people saying things like, because I'm a tax-paying citizen of this country, or bringing it a little closer to home, because I go to this church, I deserve, I deserve this. I deserve it. Entitlement is really, really cool right now. You know what's not cool right now, but I wish it was, and I'm hoping it will be, and I'm hoping to bring it back to be a style setter, a trend setter, is thankfulness. When we pray thankful, we understand that everything we have is from God. Everything we have is from God. Just like David said in Psalm 86, 12, I will give thanks to you, God, with all my heart with all my heart. I don't deserve what you've given me, Lord, but I will willingly receive it from you as an expression of your love for me. 
Now you might be thinking, I can totally be like that sometimes, cynical. I can totally be like that sometimes, entitled. You might be thinking, I, I don't even feel like I deserve God's love or attention. Or you feel like, I'm too far from God. I've done too many things for God to ever love me or want to do anything with me. Did you know that today could be your day to begin a relationship with God and with Jesus and experience his love and his enduring peace? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that a little bit later. Pray thankful. Number four in our outline. Pray humbly. Pray humbly. When you pray humbly, you're saying, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Psalm 86, 16 and 17 says, turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength on behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. David's prayer is is seasoned and salted with humility. He doesn't angrily complain or demand better treatment. I mean, he was a king, right? He was God's chosen king. He doesn't demand any special treatment or anything different. He knows that he's afflicted. He knows that he's needy. He admits his weakness by asking God to grant him strength. He's praying for things that he realizes he totally does not deserve. My wife and I uh, went to a concert a few weeks ago out in Abbotsford. Uh, I bought the tickets back in the spring. I had them on my app on my phone. Didn't think anything more than that of it. And and Juan and I have a rule when we go to a concert is that we buy the very, very, very cheapest ticket possible. We just want to get in the door. We just want an excuse to go out for dinner. We just want an excuse to get a babysitter and have a night out. And we we just want to experience the you know the live music and stuff like that. So we don't ever spend more than when I hit that pull down menu for the ticket. I always pick the cheapest one, and that's what I get. So we, we got the babysitter, we got the, uh, went out for dinner, we're, we're driving to the arena, we park, we go in, scan the tickets, and then I ask the person, so can you show me where my seats are? And so they, we sh- they point me to the next person, and then, and then they point to my, my tickets like this, uh, and I knew that they weren't good seats, like I knew, I intentionally planned that. But as I'm walking up the steps, and I'm looking at these seats, I realize I could not possibly pick worse seats than these seats. These are the two very worst seats. They're at the very back of the arena. There's nothing behind me except a concrete wall. Like, there's nobody behind me, just a wall. I realize that where I'm sitting, in a bowl setting, you know, like concerts usually are, every single other person that's at this concert, I can see them. They're all in front of me because I'm at the very back. As I'm walking up the stairs and I walk past the the couple that's going to be sitting next to us, I say to the guy next to me, I go, man, this sure is the back of the bus, hey? And he goes, yeah. He says, do you want to sit at the front of the bus? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, my wife and I bought these two tickets. He said, but I called in on the radio and I won these two tickets. And he hands me two pieces of paper tickets. I look at them. Floor seats, row one. My wife and I hugged two complete strangers. 
And then we walked down the steps. We, we went down. We, we went past. We had to show them our tickets because we can't go past there if you don't have the tickets. We went down. We, we're walking down the floor. We sit down on our, on our seats. And then we look back at our old seats that are way back there. And I realized my old seats were at the very back of the arena and I could see literally everyone at this concert. My new seats were at the very front of the arena and I couldn't see anybody except the band that we came from. But I did nothing to deserve those tickets. I didn't buy them. I didn't trade them. I, didn't e- I wasn't even the seventh caller through on the radio station that day to get them. I did nothing to deserve those tickets. A couple of weeks ago when Pastor Darren was speaking on humility, he did a great job of explaining that being humble means having both feet planted on the ground. You see, people who have both feet planted on the ground don't usually put things in print for everyone to read like David was doing here. They don't usually bare their soul. David was a king. Kings have images to maintain. Uh, Kings need to convey that they're in control of the situation. Kings want everyone to think that they know how to solve problems. But David humbly acknowledges his weakness and his need for God's strength. You see, prayer is not asking God to give us a little boost. Prayer is, is proclaiming that to God and anyone who's listening that we need him completely and totally. You know, sometimes we think of prayer like a bottle of Gatorade. It's fuel to get us through a race or get us through an expansion of our energy. Sometimes we think of prayer like a Snickers bar. It's a little bit of energy to get us through a task that we need to do. Or sometimes we think of of prayer as as a little boost or a little jolt, like a, a cup of coffee in the morning. Prayer isn't like that, although sometimes it does affect us that way. That's not the way it was designed to be. I'd say prayer is a lot more like one of these things. Now, this is our steps journal. We sell them downstairs, and it's a great companion for you for a, with a Bible reading plan in it and some line pages and some instructions about how to journal the scriptures. I'd encourage every one of you to get this. But this is a lot more a picture of what prayer should be. It's a companion to the Word of God. It sits with our scripture. It's something that, that, that we, we, uh, we track with, with the scriptures. And it's also something that is a dialogue between us and God. I realize when I read back through my steps journals that there's a lot of, most all the time, I was writing, but a lot of the time, God was speaking. I'll write something, I'm like, oh, God's trying to say something to me here. And there's other times where I read what I wrote and I realize I'm pouring out my heart to God. That's a lot more of a picture of what prayer should be. Not some sort of uh, ex, uh, energy jolt or, or boost, but a dialogue between a creator and a creation between a savior and a saved one. Pray humbly. I don't deserve it. Finally, the last one in our outline. Pray in faith. Pray in faith. The person who prays in faith says, I know he can do it. I know he can do it. Psalm 86, 13. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths. When you pray in faith, in your outline, praying in faith means praying with a clear memory of God's activity. Praying with a clear memory of God's activity. You see, praying in faith doesn't mean you're closing your eyes and, and, and you're jumping off some sort of cliff hoping someone's going to catch you. That's not what praying in faith means. It's not a leap in, into the dark. We are resting on God's character. We are praying because we trust 
God and his character. He's revealed his character. He's revealed uh, himself in the past over and over again. I mean, think about it. Why do we bother to pray for healing? Why do we bother to pray for healing? You know why we pray for healing? It's because in the scriptures, we see that Jesus prayed that people would be healed and they were healed. And then we have this crazy verse in John chapter 14, verse 12, that says, greater things will we do because he's gone to the Father. And that gives us confidence to pray for people to be healed. But we also pray for healing because many of you in this room have experienced healing. We've, you've been healed. You've, been, you've prayed up for others and they've been healed. You've experienced that healing. We pray with a clear memory of God's activity in the scriptures. We see what he did. We pray with a clear memory of what God has done in our own life. That's praying in faith. We pray with a clear memory of God's activity. We also, in your outline, pray with a clear confidence in God's purposes. We pray with a clear confidence in God's purposes. Praying with a clear confidence doesn't mean that we're commanding God. We're not ordering him around. Even Jesus, the Son of God, says not, said in, in Luke, not my will, but, but yours be done. Praying with a clear confidence in God's purposes means that we rest on God's power and on his abundant love. Praying with a clear confidence in God's purposes knows that if something is for our good and God's glory, he will do it. That brings me to our big idea. Every week at Broadway, we try and sum up the teaching in one phrase or sentence that you can take home with you and remember through the week. And the big idea this week is this. Prayer that pleases God requires more from the heart and less from the tongue. Prayer that pleases God requires more from the heart and less from the tongue. You notice we haven't said too much about words today. God's not looking for flowery words. He's not looking for run-on sentences. He's not looking for even well-scripted thoughts. He's looking for intense, earnest, continually thankful, humble, and faith-filled people who will count it a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I'm going to ask the band to come back as we bow our heads in prayer.